Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. Father, I want to thank you this morning. Because I'm anointed to teach your people your word and they are anointed to also receive. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that brings understanding and clarity to the scriptures. We ask Father God that there will be an anointing on this message to transform and change lives in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. I want to, uh, last month we did a whole lot of series on the, on the healing which was a little bit theological, very in-depth. But this month I want to do something a little bit practical. And I call it understanding principles for godly success. Understanding principles for godly success. Now, I'll make an attempt to share with us certain vital principles that I know from the scriptures that are applicable for us to walk in the realm of of success. But what I would attempt to do today is to establish what success means for the believer. But I'd like to say a couple of things. The first thing is that no one has the copyright to success. Nobody says, oh, only people from this part of the world can succeed. No, there's nothing like that. Every person born of God, if you're born again, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm assuming that you are. The Spirit of God in you. That's why I asked them to sing this song this morning. You must be conscious of the fact that the Spirit of God in you gives you supernatural ability to excel. You must never underestimate that fact. That the Spirit of God is in you. You are conscious of that fact. And if the Spirit of God is in you, you wouldn't make certain comments about your life and about your future. So this morning, let's try to establish what is success. What is godly success? Now, the word success, you can find it only once in the Bible. It's amazing, we talk about it all the time. But you can find the word success only once in the Bible. And it is inferred four times. So, technically, you can find it four times in the scripture. But you can only see the word success in one verse of the scripture. But you can, from the Hebrew word, you can pick it in four other, three other verses, making it four. Now, if we understand what success means in that context of scripture, then we can understand what godly success means. And listen, what I'm teaching you is not, uh, you, can, you can succeed outside of God. Let me put it that word, in context, brackets. What that means is for you to make more money, for you to buy houses, for you to do all this, for you to do all that. You don't really need uh, to come to church. There are people, some of the wealthiest people in the world are not Christians. Okay? Some of the wealthiest people in the world are not Christians. But 
that's why I, I, I am deliberate to call the message godly success. Because I don't want us to mistake what I'm teaching. Now you can find the word success in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It's from the Hebrew word sakal, S-A-K-A-L. Now, if you study the original translation of scriptures, you wouldn't find that word success. You wouldn't find it at all. Now, because they wanted us to understand what that word meant, the King James Version puts the word success. But you wouldn't find it in the original scriptures. So let's go to Hebrew, um, sorry, Joshua chapter 1. And let's read verse 7 to 8. I want you to please just um, diligently follow me. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7. Now use the New King James Version. I don't do go est and beest. I don't do that. <laughs> okay. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7. Um, to 8. Let's use the New King James Version. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Now, uh, uh, please, I want you to diligently follow me this morning. Please, just come gradually with me. The word, there are certain words in scripture, and I'd like you to pay attention. There are certain words in scripture that we, we, we speak all the time, but we don't understand their real meaning. For instance, the word prosperity. Now, when we talk about prosperity, what comes to your mind? Let's be honest. What comes to your mind? Money. Let's be honest. When I say, I want you to prosper, what comes to your mind? Yeah, that your alert would make you shake. You know, you get an alert and you're asking somebody, how many zeros make a million? Have you gotten those kind of alert that you now use by RAM, you're counting on your screen? You know. But the word prosper in the scripture means to go forward. That's what it means, to go forward. The word prosper actually means to take another step in the right direction. That's why you see the Bible uses the word prosper for people who did not have material things. The reason is because even though the material things were not obvious at that time, they were taking the right step in the right direction. Okay. Genesis 39. Genesis 39. Until you come to the point where if you don't have material things, you are still confident of who you are in Christ, you have not known the Lord Jesus. Genesis 39. Look at verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Look at this. Joseph taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. So, this is Joseph. He was bought 
Not that he transported himself. That means Joseph was shaded as a commodity to be sold. So people looked at him. How much is this one? There is 500 naira. He looked at his muscles. You know that's how they used to price people in the slave trade. Can this one work in the plantation? He looked at KK and said, no, KK is too adjabota to work in the plantation. He will do no good. So we sell him for 250. He looked at Stephen. Say, yeah, this guy's got muscles. He's going for 25. So they finished pricing Joseph and they put him and he was on his way. That was man's perspective of him. Man's perspective when they look at Joseph is that this guy is a slave who is going to walk in the plantations. Let's look at what God says about him. Number two. Why are you using this as my backdrop? Number two. Verse two. The Lord was with Joseph. The New King James Version says, And he was a successful man. Use the scriptures. Don't use that as my backdrop. He was a successful man. No, no, God, you are mistaken. Successful man? No house? No property? No wife at his age? No phone? He doesn't have a Samsung Note 4? Note 5? See, people are updating me. Lord. (laughs) Do you know what that means? What God looked at was that Joseph, in going to Egypt, is taking a step in the right direction. Because ultimately, this path is going to lead him becoming the prime minister of Egypt. Don't conclude your case until God says it's over. You see, so God's perspective of people and man's perspective of people is always different. And you see, the funny thing, you go to the book of Revelation, God speaks to a church. He says, you say you are rich. I have this, I have that, I have need of nothing. He says, but you are poor. You are richer. So, I, I, I read a scripture to tell you that prosperity ultimately is not the number of alerts you get. But that's not, that's not totally out of the way. It will come as a result of going in the right direction. A time came Joseph had almost absolute control over the resources of Egypt. Look at this verse. He was a successful and prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Go to verse 3. And his master 
What are you using here now? Amplified. These guys are the ones teaching me this morning. Okay, let me use the Amplified. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. So, the master didn't see anything physical. He saw that Joseph carried something tangible. It was the Lord. Look at the next verse. The, the next line. And that the Lord made all that he did to flourish and succeed in his hand. Can that be said of you where you are walking? We are talking about scriptural definition of success. Remember, we are reading about Joseph as a slave. And God looks at him and says, this man is prosperous. You know, it's amazing how a born again child of God would call himself, you know, we poor people. It's actually an insult on redemption. You don't know who you are in Christ. The revelation of God's word should embolden your confession. And I'm not just saying, you come here, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm not poor, I'm not poor, I'm not poor, I'm poor, I'm poor, I'm rich, I'm poor, I'm poor, I'm, 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 I'm confused. No. You spend time on the word of God until your eternal image adjusts to what the word of God says. Look at this. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 1 now. I was trying to tell you that the word prosperity means many things in scriptures. The same thing with the word blessing. When we talk about blessing, what comes to your mind again? Let's be honest. Have you seen that everything we think about is money? Everything. 80% of what we think about is money. I've even heard people say anointing without money is annoyance. And you have people clapping at such ridiculous statements. What is anointing without money is annoyance. But how do you equate that? What kind of statement is that? How do you compare the anointing of God to money? You see, the, the extreme value we have placed on money is the reason it's running away far from us. We've placed too much value on it. Too much value. We are almost worshipping it. Do you know that God never compares himself to the devil? In terms of worship, what does he compare himself with? Mammon. Principality of trust. You will hear, hear people who won't show up in church because they don't have an offering. As if when we show up in church, it is about collections. People who will show up in church if they don't have shirts to wear. And all these affects our definition of success. Let me say this to you now before I continue here. If your definition of success is wrong, your pursuit will be wrong. If your definition of success is wrong, your pursuit will be wrong. And I'll tell you something. Don't think I'm against wealth. And I know that the Lord is raising us to become extremely wealthy for the sake of the gospel. I'll tell you that. I can tell you that. But you know what? It will never be our prime focus. We will never define ourselves by what we have or what we don't have. Let's go back to Joshua chapter 1. Use the New King James Version for me, please. Joshua chapter 1. 
And let's read verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from me to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. That's where I took up that tone, defining the word prosper. Eight, this book of the Lord. Okay, it's fine. The book of the Lord, okay, let's go there. The book of the Lord shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. Now, it's fine, let's go with the Amplified. They just told me they have only the Amplified translation. It's, it's fine, let's go with the Amplified. Now, when you read the King James Version, pay attention here. When you read the, the King James Version, it goes with the word that you might have good success. Okay? Good success. The word success, success is sakal, S-A-W-K-A-L, in the Hebrew. Now, it means to proceed intelligently. That's what it means. To proceed intelligently or to deal wisely with the affairs of life. Now, the only Bible translation that brings that out is the Amplified. If you, if you read the Amplified, it combines these two definitions. So you have this in the Amplified. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. So, the word success, in the Hebrew language, you wouldn't find the word success in the Hebrew language. What you will find is the ability to proceed intelligently, or the ability to deal wisely with the affairs of life. So that means that ultimately, success is the ability to use God's wisdom to deal with the affairs of life. That if a man can use the wisdom of God to deal with the affairs of his life on a daily basis, that man is a successful man. And how many of you know that most of the reason people fail is a wisdom problem? It's wisdom. Let me show you three other places where it is inferred. Job 22 verse 2. Job 22 verse 2. Job 22 2. Can a man be profitable to God? Though he who is wise may be profitable to himself. That word wise there is taken from the word sakar, which also means to succeed. Psalm 111 verse 10. Psalm 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding. Now, that word understanding is taken from the root word sakar, which means success. Alright? A good understanding, wisdom, and meaning have all those who do the will of the Lord. That means that those who obey the command of God 
ultimately find success. So, for the believer, when we talk about success, we're talking about obedience to the will of God. You know, when we talk about success to the natural mind, we're talking about more cars, right? More cars, more wristwatches, more, uh, what again? We're born again, so we'll take out women. For those who are not born again, more women, more drinks. Those who are children of God, sometimes we get more, 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 more trying to save up for the future. And sometimes we don't even find out what the will of God is for our lives. What God wants us to do. So I wanted to show you this. That when we are talking about principles for godly success, the first thing we're, we're taking our minds from is we're not putting our minds on those definitions of what success is. Because I'll tell you this. If you do not settle this question, you would ever be in pursuit of things. Never think you'll be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied. Only God can satisfy the human spirit. But if the Bible ties success to what? To the word of God. We're going to, go, we're going to get there. So the word sakal, it means to behave oneself wisely, to proceed intelligently, discretion, prudence, understanding. So we can define success as using the wisdom of God to deal wisely, intelligently with the affairs of life. That's why I'll tell this to every young person. I'll tell this to every young person. If you have access, let me use an example you can follow. If you have access to people who have money, never ask for their money. Ask for their wisdom. The money will finish. But the wisdom they impart to you will never finish. Let me explain this to you. You, you do not have a money problem. That's the truth. You do not have what? A money problem. If you don't have money right now, there is an amount of wisdom from God that you need that can help you. That's the truth. Many things. What was Joseph doing in the house of Potiphar? He was just a slave. Let me give you a simple example. Have you heard, have you heard people stay with you and they worked so hard when they were staying with you? When they were living, you felt like blessing them some more. Have you had that experience? Nobody has had that experience. Have you had that experience? That people stayed with you, they worked so hard. When you were going, you just said, what can I do for this person? And probably you just asked them, which school are you? It just crossed your mind, pay their school fees. Right? And then somebody else shows up. Wow! Look at free DSTV. From Telemundo to Z-World to African Magic. Trying to watch everything they have never watched in their life in three days. They eat everything. Those are the type that you now ask them, when did you say you were going? You said you were going. Say yes. Say next week, Thursday. Say, oh, I thought it was this Friday. 
I didn't, when they left, you gave them the transport that would take them to their next bus stop. Not because you're wicked. It's just because that's how life works. There is an attitude to life that elicits provision. There's an attitude to life that repels provision. Let me tell you this. The number one thing that will make you never prosper is begging. You never prosper that way. No. Don't think that way. Don't ever think that way. Don't ever think that way. There's an attitude to life. Let me give you a simple example. If you stayed in what they call, uh, <laughs> if you have ever stayed in a yard before, you know, you know when they say, I stay in a yard, you know the kind of house I'm talking about. <laughs> that means there are more families than the number of rooms. You understand what I'm saying? That's the engineering term for staying in a yard. You know, there will be this young guy who, if everybody wants to send, they will always remember to call that boy. Because he will go on errands, he will go joyfully, he will go everywhere. Can I tell you one thing? It will be that, if you have never stayed in that kind of place, this example might not be meaning to you, need to pray to understand it. But it is that small boy that will be able to enter into the house of everyone, eat anything they want to eat. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is an attitude that gives you access. There is an attitude that shuts doors. The devil is not after your life. There's nothing he's looking for. Are people that are making me not to succeed? No. Forget about people. Any success that someone can stop is not from God. Whatever is from God is permanent. You know, I don't pray about that. I've never prayed about that. Eh, eh, God, people after my life. For what? You didn't go to school. You don't have handwork. You don't know the laws of life. The devil is after your life. It will be a wasted war. I think he's a little bit more intelligent than that. If you're constantly thinking of enemies, of enemies, of enemies, that is a mindset that repels success. It will drive success far from because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why before God told Joshua about success, he told him about the word. He didn't tell him to do anything. You know, this was a man going to conquer um, Jericho. God didn't say, God didn't teach him battle strategies. God didn't tell him, position one man in the north. No, no, no. God just told him, listen. If you have the message translation, it's an interesting read. It says, if you pay attention to the book of the revelation. You know what God was just telling Joshua? Listen. There's one way, and listen to me. There's one way the believer succeeds. He stays on the word. He stays on the word. That's why when we say, get in church, hear the teachings of God's word, spend time to pray. No, you're running all over town. How much have your running produced? When the, when the child of God stays on the word, the word of God gets success to him. 
You don't run after it any longer. It begins to come after you. If your definition of success is wrong, your pursuit in life will be definitely wrong. You stay close to someone who you see have attained a level of success. And that's why, uh, beginning from next Sunday, we're going to be having, in our Sunday school class, we're going to be having a couple of people here just to share a few thoughts about their life. Just listen to them. Because sometimes in our life, we always feel that everybody who is doing well now did not suffer. We always feel that way. You know, it's a wrong assumption. I was reading something today. I wanted to bring the picture. Maybe if I remember. I was reading, how many of you know Andrew Womack? You know, you know Andrew Womack? Now, Andrew Womack was, you, you know, he gives his messages free. Do you know why he gives his messages free? If you listen to him, he'll tell you the reason. You know why? There was a time in their life, they were so poor, they would go for a meeting, they could not buy CD. I mean, they could not afford. So he told himself that, God, if you prosper me, and you give me a message to people, I will make sure that money is not his stock. That's why he gives his CD free. It's not as if he has all the money in the world. But it is because of what he has passed through. Don't look at people's glory without asking a part of their stories. Don't make that assumption. Listen, that word luck, L-U-C-K, eradicate it totally from your dictionary. Don't mention it from your mouth. It's a word for lazy people. Ah, it's just lucky. No, people don't stumble on luck. No, people don't stumble on luck. Sometimes people around me, especially young people, sometimes they say, I'm too hard on them. And I say, you know why I'm hard? Because where I'm coming from and where I'm going to, when I look at this way and that way, that way is more better. So there is a discipline required to get there. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Show you something here. Principles for godly success. Matthew chapter 6. Now, if you read Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31, but you know, sorry, uh, Matthew 6 from verse 25, but you cannot read verse 25 without reading, no, verse 25. You cannot read verse 25 without reading verse 24, okay? So, we all know Matthew 6, 25. What does it talk about from 25 to 31? Do not worry, this thing does the Gentile seek. Now, why did God tell them this? Why was Jesus teaching them this? you find the answer in verse 24. So, let's read verse 24. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, deceitful riches, money, possession, or whatever is trusted in. That word whatsoever is trusted in is the accurate interpretation of mammon. Mammon is not just money. Mammon is whatever your trust is. But it is after Jesus had told them about trusting God or trusting mammon, that he now starts teaching them from verse 25. So after saying this, verse 25, he goes on to say what? Therefore. Therefore what? 
based on not trusting money or uh, based on trusting either money or God. Therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life greater in quality than food, and the body far above and more excellent than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into bands. And yet your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth much more than they? Look at who God compares you with. The birds. He says, don't you have this consciousness? That God is going to take care of you. You know, some of you have never seen miraculous provisions in your life. You've never seen things show up that you didn't plan for. (laughs) I remember the first colored television my parents had. Growing up, there was no TV in the house. We had to watch from somebody else's window. And watching from somebody else's window means that you have to give them something during the break period. If not, when you go back home and you want to start watching through the window, they won't do anything. They will just draw the curtain. You know, once they close the curtain, that means your home for that day is finished. So if you want that curtain to be positioned so you can watch, you have to respond. (laughs) So I remember... The first time they bought a color television to us, someone in church just felt led and brought it. When I held it, I was crying. I'm telling you, I was crying. They had to come and carry me and the TV to the room. Because it was like, you know, it's like they have just announced that you have won the Grammy Awards and you didn't sing. (laughs) It was miraculous provision. Because you know one thing my father would always say? Whatever I don't have, will ask God for it. I will not beg. I will not borrow. I will not buy anything on credit. And if I don't have it, don't ask me for it. Not because I don't want to have it. I can't buy it. And that means you don't need it. Do you understand this ideology? I just give you? That means you are comfortable not watching TV. You are rejoicing. You must not show through your face that you are unhappy. Perpetually anxious. On Sunday, I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you about the dangers of comparison. Some of us are the most ungrateful people in life because we are always comparing. That's why it's destroying our marriages. Destroying, ah, you are not slim like this person. You are not slim like this person. You are not fat like this person. You are not tall like this. Didn't you see them before you marry them? You know, sometimes my wife comes up to me and she says, is this hair style fine? I said, it's fine. I'm not sure she has shown me anything in this life and I said, it's not fine. Because, what's my business? If you come, you put pineapple on your hair. You come, as far as it is you, I didn't marry your hair, I didn't marry your eyes, I didn't marry, I married your spirit. As far as that spirit is still intact, anything, it's not my head carrying it. If you like, let the hair be as long as, as far as you will not say, let both of us wear it. I'm fine. Is this style okay? Excellent. Is this design fine? It's fine. 
To the pure, all things are pure. You know, you never know your curtains are bad until you go on visitation. Some of you would have been very safe if you didn't have friends. Your greatest problem is your friends. That's why till tomorrow I'm either in my house or I'm in the office or I'm going to visit the brethren and I'm back. If you want to kill me, it's very easy. You know where to see me. You won't, you won't see me just chatting. Because no conversation is casual. By the time somebody tells you, how can you make pot of soup with 5,000 in this economy? A seed has been sown. The next time they give you 5,000, those words will now be empowered in this economy, in this economy, in this economy, in this economy. You will now become an economist. Have you wondered? Let me, let me just give you a typical stuff. Have you, have, you, have you ever gone back to the village? Have you gone back to do a visitation in the village? Maybe in recent times. Have you gone back to the village? Do you see how free those people are? There's a level of freedom in the village. You need to go back. I know some of you are scared now. Fear, fear. <laughs> I wanted to say fear, fear. Fear, fear is not, it's not pure English. Eh? Fearful, fearful. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah? You are scared. But you know the people in the village, they don't have, they have not seen the abundance in the city. So they don't know what to compare with. The one that will cause trouble in the village is the one you have brought to the city to stay with you for one year. When he returns, by the time you send your parents 5,000, say how much they send you 5,000? Say, ah, this is what they used to buy me by when I was with them. That's when trouble, no, that's when trouble will start. Because now they have something to compare with. If you want to measure your life with anything, measure it with the word of God. And say, Lord, I've seen this in your word. I can't see it in my life. I'm going to walk in line with that. You understand that? Start preaching next on this message. Let's get back. Look at the birds of the earth. Verse 27. And who of you by worrying and being anxious can add one unit of measure of cubits to the stature to the span of his life? And why should you be anxious about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field and learn thoroughly how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his magnificent excellence, dignity and grace was not arrayed like one of us. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and green tomorrow, and is tossed into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So anxiety is a product of little faith. Anxiety is not a product that things are hard. It is to show that your trust in God is shaken. Do you follow what I'm saying? See, every time there's a presence of anxiety, there's the absence of trust. Married couples, if you are anxious about your husband, then you know there's an issue with trust. If you trust, there's no anxiety. Look at this. For the Gentiles, hidden, wish for create, look at this, and diligently seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows 
world that you need them all. This is one scripture that comforts me. That God knows that you need them. So, listen, God is not denying the fact about things. He's just telling you to put them in the right perspective. There are only two times that God compares us to the Gentiles and says that that's not our part. The first is in material things and the second is in leadership. When he talks about leadership, he said, um, I think that's in Matthew 20, 25, 26. He says, the Gentiles lord it over their subject. He says, but not so among you. That means in leadership, we don't lead like the Gentiles. And in the pursuit of things, we don't pursue like the Gentiles. We don't run after things like the Gentiles. We don't run after things like the Gentiles. Sadly enough, the pursuit of things have even colored our interpretation of scriptures. For instance, you read about Abraham offering Isaac. And you say, well, it was the Isaac offering that brought the breakthrough. And what that was talking about was Jesus himself being offered for our sins and the redemption of of our souls. Materialism has colored our perspective. To people. To how we rate people. But God wants to add these things to us. I can show you from my life. The gradual progress. You see one thing about about this life is this. If God starts prospering you. You will be able to tell your story. Because you will be able to show people from this point to this point. To this point to this point to this point. I remember when we came into this place. When I start the church, we left everything we had. We had a scripture in the book of Deuteronomy. It says, it will fill your house with all good things. We listed everything we needed in our house. We listed it. I have a policy in my life. I don't ask for things. I don't ask for things. I, don't, I will never ask for, for anything. And then, we prayed about it. I just put it on the wall. Myself and my wife, I just prayed about it. We agreed. Father, your word declares that our house is going to be filled with every good thing we need. We needed every single thing we needed. We prayed about it. I remember the day we had two days before we had to move. Someone called us and gave us a fridge. And we had the fridge. And someone gave us a wardrobe. So we had a fridge, we had a wardrobe. There was no chairs. And then we bought two, three plastic chairs. In fact, I remember that day one of our members walked into our house and was having us to set up the stuff. And he said, well, why did you move from where you were staying? I said, no, we had to move. Because now my son was beginning to think that he's like I've gotten a job. <laughs> a yellow badge job. And I said, no, that's not why we came here. We came here for something else and we needed to move. And after a while, I remember some, one of our their sisters was transferred and when she was moving she took a few things from her house gave us the key to her house and we moved from having nothing to having more than enough we had to call some people to share every single thing I have in this life I can point you to the fact that God was the source of it It's a brilliant way to live. It's a brilliant way. Sometimes you will be tried. 
We've also had chairs in our house that when a visitor is coming, you have to go and sit as a member of the house. You have to go and sit in certain areas of the chair. Because those, that is not for authorized persons. Only authorized persons can sit there. Because the place is torn. And you just sit there. And you know, I mean, I have never felt bad about chairs in my house being torn. I've never I've had early days of ministry. I didn't have anything in my house. One of my friends came to visit me. I welcomed him. So, when we entered the house, I sat on the floor. I saw he was still standing. I said, my friend, sit down. <laughs> What's the problem? I won't even, I won't go back and cry, oh God, why is my own like this? I, I don't know, maybe it's my own. I don't think about those things. Do you know why? I have the assurance that the word works. Ah, no, the word works. It works. It works. Have you ever put your faith in God and saw that faith come true? One of the things I learned from Kenneth Copeland is his faith does not give a hint. You know, you know you are trusting God for shoes. For example, I'm using a common example. You now see someone say, ah, you know, trekking to church without shoes is not easy. But, but God is alive. God is alive. I'm just believing God. By this time next month, I will have one shoe. What you have just done is you have just asked. If you are believing God, then keep your mouth shut and believe. Which, see, we short circuit our faith every time we make men our source. You never know what God has in store for you if you just dare trust them. Will it be easy? Absolutely no. Absolutely no. <laughs> Let's look at the rich fool. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Let's look at something there and then I'll just try to see if I can wrap up shortly. Trying to define success. So success is obeying the will of God for your life. Staying on the word. Are we going to have things? Yes, sir. But those things are going to come as addition. Wealth is going to come as addition. Open doors are going to come as addition. God will just keep adding them and adding them and adding them. Sometimes you don't even know that God has prospered you up to that extent. You just look back and like, wow, I'm here. I remember the first time I left youth service. I wanted to go for a meeting, Reverend Kola Osho, in Abuja. I was praying about what to give and I felt in my, in my heart to give 10,000 naira. Oh boy. It took me like three months to save that money. Then when I handed him the offering, it was like, wow, I bought the whole world. That's where I'm coming from. There's nobody you see today who didn't have to go through the hard path to get to where they are. There are two things. It's either they went through the hard path or their parents went through the hard path and laid up a foundation for them. You have to choose. If your parents didn't go through it for you, you have to go through it for your children. And then, don't come and blame people whose parents have paid the price and say they are lucky. They are not lucky. They are living on the heritage that someone made a decision at a point and said, I'm going to take this part. When your own parents also were in that age and they didn't make that decision. 
And my grandfather used to tell me something. He said, not everybody in this life will make it. And I just said, wonder why. He said, because some people have chosen that they will not make it. I said, are there people like that? He said, lazy people. And my, fa- my grandfather used to tell me a very fantastic example. He, he was a fisherman. I mean, he lived in the waters and, and had, he was a farmer, typically. I mean, my grandfather wasn't a farmer, wasn't somebody who lived in the city and went to farm. He moved from the city and went to stay in the farm. That's, you understand what I mean? So he and farm, they are one. So if we were saying we are going to the village, we will actually get to our village and we will walk, I mean, close to like one hour by road to meet him in the farmhouse. He lived in the farmhouse. So he had a large mud house. And he should tell me something. He said, you see this mud house? There were people squatting, staying around him. He had quite a large mud house. He said, the mud is free. He said the bamboo is free. The water to mix the mud is free. The river is there. And even if you want people to help you, it's no more than a bottle of shinap. He said, but there are yet people who did not build house. Of course, the land was free. In this example I've given to you, nothing will make you own a mud house except two things. Maybe one, the choice to own. And some people didn't take it. You, you understand what I'm saying? The mud was free. The water was free. The bamboo was free. The land was free. Even people to help you. Will show up freely. But they chose. Not to own a house. And there are some of you listening to me shaking your head. That's where you are. It's not, this is not God forbid matter. It has nothing to do with God. That you will make your way prosperous. God has finished his part. That choice, that choice, you sit down and make, let me tell you something, I'm almost holding my ears, but I don't want to hold it. Let me tell you something. <laughs> let me say it from here. Most of us have been deceived by the churches we were attending. And this is the deception. That one anointing oil will make you successful. That one mantle and one prayer. By the time you have finished drinking the Goya oil, you have hit your head with many mantles. You have wore the wristband, the hand chain, the necklace, the sticker. You have prayed. You know what you do? You will get up from your house in the morning and walk. Favor night. When you finish the favor night and they close, and you share the grace. If you want to have money, sir, you will either cross and be selling granite or be selling pap. Forget that thing that somebody will just say, sir. I just, when I was just looking at you, star, a star just entered me and said, I should give you one million. It will not happen. Hey, but hey, as a man of God, don't people give you money? Do you preach every Sunday? I'm doing, I'm rendering service. Spiritual service. And I'm diligent about it. How do you even feel that people will go to work from morning till evening? Your own is to sit at home. I say, sir, I just have this vision. The people going to work, don't they have vision? Never leave 
of the leftovers of others. Don't ever think that way. I'm the eldest in my house. My younger sister just came, visited us, and left now. I'm the eldest in my house. I call all of them one day and I told them, listen. I'm the firstborn. But live as if I'm not alive. If you put pressure on me, I can give any of you. That, that, I can give any of you the firstborn. Does anybody want firstborn? They say, why are you selling your birthright? They don't use it to build house. Say, do you want, I asked my brother, do you want firstborn? He said, no. I asked my sister, do you want firstborn? Whether you call me firstborn, you call me lastborn, it has nothing to do with my life. Just that I'm fortunate to come out first. So I told them clearly, live as if I'm not existing. And that's how I raised all my younger ones. Some of you, your life is hinged on a man that if that man dies today, you are gone. What kind of life is that? And Jesus died for you. That's why God can't answer your prayers. Because as you are praying, you already know who to call to answer that prayer. You are praying, Father God, I need my rent. I need my rent. Don't worry. I'll see man of God on Tuesday. I need my rent. God says you already have the answer. Learn the act of trusting God. It will make you successful in this life. We're looking at practical keys. As a Christian, don't be deceived. Prayer alone is not the key to success. Amazingly, giving alone is not the key to success. If you like, pack all your house things and lay them on the altar. You have just done one good thing. There are many things that make people successful. You know, some of those giving is from ulterior motives. It's transaction. You don't like God. You want to use God. So when you pray, God, remember my television. The one that is not working. You now give us TV. We look at the TV. We don't know what to do with it. Children can't watch it. Adults can't use it. We can't, even if we drop it outside, they won't steal it. So we have to pay transport to throw the TV away or to go and repair it. Costing us more money. Say it's my Isaac offering. Keep it. You're not giving from a pure heart. You just want to transact with God. One guy came to me one time and said he wants to make a vow. If God, I said, keep your vow. Just ask God to bless you. Leave all this. If God give me one, I will do this. You and, you and God, you are not mate. Uh, but Anna did it. Are you Anna? Did you see anybody make vow in the New Testament? Did you see any vow in the New Testament? The only vow that was made in the New Testament was the book of Acts. And the people said, if they don't kill Paul, they will not eat. <laughs> Why did I start talking about that? Luke 12. So the most important thing in practical keys to godly success... The most important thing is that choice. Make up, that, make up your mind. Just make up your mind. When I got into ministry, there were certain things I wrote down that I will never do. I just made up my mind. It doesn't matter. Let me give you a typical example. I'll show you with you all the time when we had no chairs in our house. And my dad came to visit us. And he said, oh, <laughs> you don't have chairs here. I said, no. You know, people think because my dad is the pastor of the church, you know, anything I want, I'll just call him. <laughs> Macaque's father told him, God is the one that called you and I'm not him. Let me, let me just tell you this, probably to help you. 
The only support I got from my dad in starting this church was 20,000 naira. That's it. 20,000. I mean, that month was terrible. We started the church six, almost like six, seven months, offering to a small belly could run the fuel. I was hungry, absolutely, and we just moved. There was nothing. So we're talking. So I just told him, out, and then things are not going too well. I mean, just casual conversation. And then he sent me 20,000. That was all. That's the first and the last offering. And I was coming to Bonnie. My mother looked at me and said, Listen, when I started this work, I didn't have any support. So as you are going, if God is the one calling you, He will show Himself. And if He's not the one calling you, don't be ashamed. You can always come back. That was the support I had. I mean, that's how He raised us. Sometimes my father will look at you and say, Live as if I'm not alive. Some of you are too people dependent to be anything substantial in life. You're two people dependent. You're two people dependent. You can't even trust God. You don't know what it means to rely on God. Look at this. Luke 12. 13. Some from the crowd said to him, Master, order my brother to divide inheritance and share it with me. Jesus was preaching. This was what was on somebody's mind. Sir, <laughs> they give him the mic. Jesus was preaching. I don't have time to read it, but Jesus was preaching. Sir, I have a question. I have something to say. Jesus thought that these were people that came to say, Sir, <laughs> I want you to divide our inheritance. They saw the service. Look at Jesus' reply. <laughs> But he told a man who has appointed me a judge or umpire and divider over you. And he said to them, guard yourself and keep free from all covetousness. The immoderate desire for wealth. The greedy longing to have more. For a man's life does not consist in and is not derived from possessing overflowing abundance or that which is over and above his needs. Then he told them the parable saying, the land of a rich man was fertile and yielded plentifully. And he considered and debated within himself, what shall I do? I have no place in which to gather together my harvest. And he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my storehouses, build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and produce and produce or produce and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, Soul, you have many good things laid up enough for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, enjoy yourself merrily. But God said to him, You fool, this very night, they the messengers of God will demand your soul of you. And all the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is. With the ones who continues to lay up and hold possessions for himself and is not rich in his relation to God, this is how he fares. Now, I want you to follow this. Please, just give me a few, few minutes. I want you to follow this. L- let's look at this. Jesus was preaching. A man asked a question about inheritance. Right? A man asked a question about inheritance. Jesus gives them a parable about the rich fool. Read the next verse. Read the next verse. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, 
Therefore, I tell you what, based on the events that have been happening, based on the question that man raised, based on the parable I just explained, do not be anxious and troubled with cares about your life as to what you'll have to eat, about your body as to what you'll have to wear. For life, what? Is not is more than food and body and all that. So he talked about that and talked about seeking the kingdom for these things will be added. Let's go to verse 30. For all the pagan world is greedily seeking these things. And your father knows that you need them. Only aim at and strive for and seek his kingdoms. And all these things shall be supplied to you. Do not be seized with alarm and struck with fear. Little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So we see, we see here that Luke. Now Luke was a medical doctor. Uh, now Luke's account was more detailed. If you read Matthew's account, he just told us, a man cannot serve God and mammon, therefore do not worry. So, what Luke did was, Luke documented the incidents that happened before Jesus told them this. So, it's like, uh, Jesus was preaching, and a man says, hey, divide inheritance between us. Jesus gives the parable, and his disciples were getting like, wow. So then, what is life? If we'll not, and he goes to them, and explains and teaches them about how to also get those things. That's the context. He says, listen, your father knows this. God will provide for you more than you can provide for yourself, if you will trust him. I'll tell you the truth. God will do that for you. (laughs) Someone asked me at the beginning of this year, he said, what is your goal for the year? I said, you just know him more. You just know him more. The more we have a revelation of the love of our Father, the more we'll be amazed at the things he'll bring for us. So quickly, let's wrap this up. Ultimately, the believer's pursuit of success is in seeking the word and the wisdom of God. Time will fail me to read Proverbs. Go back home. Just take it as your... As your homework. Read Proverbs chapter 2, the whole chapter. Proverbs chapter 3, the whole chapter. Proverbs chapter 8, the whole chapter. And look at the benefit of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 3, he says that riches are in my left hand. That means that riches were not in the order of priority. Not even on his right. He says on his left. He says by me kings rule. Talking about wisdom. Talking about wisdom. The number one thing you need to be a successful person is wisdom. 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 Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. Ask questions. Ask questions. Ask questions. Look at this. Number one. Joshua 1, 7 to 8. Let me wrap, wrap up those points quickly. It says, Be strong. You cannot be successful if you are not strong. And in this, I'm referring to your inner strength. Be strengthened with might in your inner man. Learn to be resolute about what you do. Stay there. Be strong. I remember when I was at the coming to ministry, one of my uncles called me. He said, hey, you're a brilliant young man. Why do you want to do this for the rest of your life? To be living on people's offerings. I said, yes, that's how God has designed it to be. He said, uh, and then I wanted to marry. So he said, uh, are you not too young to marry now? I just oh, I wanted to get into ministry, wanted to get married. I said, no. He said, why? I said, well, 
I was pretty young then. But I said, if I had impregnated this girl and had brought her to you now, as we're saying, you would tell me that, ah, uh-uh, if you want to marry, you would have told us, why are you disgracing our family's name? Now I've come down, I want to marry, so I'm too young. So I see, I see, I see what you mean, I see what you mean. He promised us chairs after our marriage. This is 11 years after. The chairs have not arrived. They are making them. I'm not saying he lied. They are constructing them. You know, chairs that take 11 years to arrive will take you like 40 years to sit on them. So, it's... Be strong! You're selling stuff. It looks like there are no, people are not buying. Be strong. Stay there. Stay there! Some of you are too unstable. Today you are selling periwinkles. The next day you are selling... The day we decide to now say we want to buy periwinkles, you have started selling spare parts. When we now choose, okay, where is this brother who supplies spare parts? You are selling, you are selling shirts. You are, you are confused. Ah, eh, there's no money in this thing. Have you observed that everything you are running from, someone is running into that same business? Because that person is also thinking there's no money where he's going. Be resolute. Be strong. You can't take territories in life if you're not mentally strong. Don't be moved. Be strong. Number two, be courageous. It will take courage to obey the word of God. It took courage for Joseph to say, No, I'm not sleeping with you, Potiphar's wife. It took courage. It will take courage for you to say no to things that would hurt your life. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't like talking to people about certain things because they obviously know it's wrong. You're a young girl. You're just in secondary school. You've not even thought of going to the university. You don't have a skill. And you have a boyfriend. And then you want me to stay here on a Sunday morning and be preaching against boyfriends. I would be foolish. Because even you know it is wrong. That's all I should be talking to you about. There are things and faces in life. There's time for everything. When my younger sister who just left got admission into Uniben, I called her one day. Where are you? I'm in fellowship. Where are you again? I'm in fellowship. Where are you? I'm in fellowship. I said, how many departments are you? I said, she said, three. I said, you're very stupid. Three departments for what? Are you in a theological school? The first reason you went to school is to pass. That's number one. So by the time I drop this call, you will belong to one department. When I call you on Monday, if you are in fellowship, on Tuesday and Wednesday, you should be in the library. That one decision changed her. Don't confuse religious activities with wisdom. Sometimes you are covering laziness. When I come to the office, sometimes, I mean, sometimes I've literally driven people from here. I come to the office on Monday. I just see you. This is that day the Lord has made. And once I you, you are praying. After all, it's about, it's about tabernacle together. On Tuesday, I saw the young man. I said, well, what are you doing here? So I came to seek God's face. I said, no. You can't seek his face on Monday. You seek on Tuesday. If you are coming to the office, then let me stay home. I cannot be resuming here and you are resuming. And you are not a staff that you came to seek his face. He's not lost. Don't come again. His face is in your house. Seek him there. Because you know what you do. After one year, uh, this church, after my commitment, uh, look at their children, look at us. 
pastors, they are wicked. Don't seek. I'm the one that resumes here. You don't resume here. He won't answer you more here than he will answer you in your house. Don't come and pretend that you are active. You are not active. You are just wasting time. Because if you were working, you will not be seeking his face Monday morning. People that are seeking his face Monday morning are at work. That's how they are seeking his face. Don't cover your laziness with spirituality. I'm in choir. I'm in this. Don't, don't belong to more than two departments. You will wear yourself out. I just want to serve God. Get a job. Let your work be an expression of your serving God. God gave Adam work and he spoke to him about worship. Your work is your worship. Are you following what I'm saying? Number three, do according to the written word. Do according to the written word. Make up your mind to obey God's word. Number four, the word must be in your mouth. Actually, the original Greek means to mutter, to soliloquize the word, to talk to yourself. There's something I want to, 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 to read here. Uh, in Malachi chapter 3, I think it's verse 16, the scripture says, God heard them when they spoke one to another. The words you talk to yourself, motivational speakers call it self-talk. What you talk to yourself is very important. How you talk to yourself. How you talk to yourself. <laughs> Something funny happened this morning. Interesting conversations when you're growing up with, child, with children. So my wife was getting her ready. And said, let's go to church. So I said, we're always going to church. We're always going to church. Because they're always coming. Every time I come, they come with me. And my wife said, yes, we need to go and worship God. He says, he says, no, I don't want to worship God. And my wife said, why don't you want to worship God? He said, my daddy is God. <laughs> In children's perspective, it's just so hard to explain to her that there are some titles that they don't share. One of them is that one. Talk about the word. Let your children talk the word. Don't leave your children's spiritual growth to our children's teachers. It's irresponsibility. Teach your children the word yourself. It was a requirement. You sit down with your children. You read the scriptures. Teach them. Take on that responsibility. The reason you can't take it off is because you yourself, you don't read. You have left your own spiritual growth to me. So you left your own to me. You left your children's own to the children's teachers. That's where you are. Do you have scriptural reading times in your home? Not times to bind the devil. Sometimes you are amazed at small children. When you say, let us pray, they will start killing. Small children. You have initiated them into that murderous thing you call Christianity. A fire, key, fire, key. At, at two years old, he's already killing you. By the time he gets up to your age, he's a serial spiritual killer. Wrong teaching. Small child is already believing that people need to die. What kind of indoctrination is that? Give your children scriptures to memorize. Talk the word in your house. Speak the word. Anything that is not consistent with the word, don't say it. Let your children grow up in that atmosphere. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter what happens to them. Many years down the line, the word will keep them. What is making me preach today is because my parents taught me to hear the voice of God. I've shared my story many times. Incredible that I'm preaching the gospel today. Grew up in a pastor's room. Everything like, oh wow, you can't do this, you can't do that. I got tired. 
I left the house for one year. My parents didn't know where I was. Just hung out with my friends. But you know what? When I was in secondary school, every time my father would close school, he would take me to his office, lock the door, say, we were praying for one hour. We pray. We tell you, what did God say? So I didn't hear anything. He said, you were here today. That's how, God, that's how my, my dad taught me how to hear God's voice. And I remember, particular night, that night we had planned that, oh, this is the night we will start smoking. And anything I like doing in this life, I like excelling in it. Thank God that you have saved me. But if I have to be an arm robber, I won't steal buckets. I won't steal chicken. I, won't steal, I will do bank robbery. That one, when they catch you, you know that you are gone. If you succeed, you know you have made it. I don't like playing small games. Anything you're doing in this life, do things righteously. But go for it and excel. If, if you are a pastor, be the best. You are a student. In school, the same approach I took. I won't get beat us in secondary school from SS1 to SS3. I can't forget that again. First, constantly. It was like an inheritance. When I was entering university, I made up my mind. <laughs> Nobody will stay ahead of me. You just, in life, be resolute. Be courageous about your success. Things. A day before that night, heard the voice of God. I've called you to preach. I need to go back home now. And I went back home. Just walked away, left my friends, went back home. My dad had his suit hung on his drawers. I know my mother would be crying. Thank God for mothers crying. My dad just said, don't worry. He said, no matter how long it takes, this boy is going to come. The day he comes, like the prodigal son, I wear him this suit. He will preach the gospel. So I showed up. Like the prodigal son. And that's why I preach the way I preach. You know why I preach the way I preach? Because if not for the grace and the mercy of God, I wouldn't be standing here. Put the word in your children. There is no amount of stubbornness that will outgrow the word. They will find their way back. They will find their way back. There is no amount. Listen, listen. I mean, God forbid. Even if they are doing drugs, the day will come. They will walk up from that place and come to serve God. Because his word works. When he says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Put the word in them. Are you following what I'm saying? Put the word in them. Let them speak the word. Let them read the word. I had Bibles as my birthday gift from the age of one, from the age of, like, I can remember, maybe like five to eighteen. Every birthday, you have a new Bible. Nothing else. <laughs> you know, I'm a pastor's child, so you shouldn't do that. Number five, meditate on the word. Think deeply on the word. And observe the written word. Can you see that everything we have mentioned this morning is just one thing? The word. If you want to be successful in God, pay more attention to the word. Are you following what I'm saying? Pay more attention to the word. Read the word. Read it. You don't become successful just by reading success magazine. You become successful by reading the word. I'd like us this morning to make a fresh commitment to the word. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to speak your word. I'm going to do your word. I'm going to act on your word. Just make that fresh commitment. His word works. Hallelujah. Let's just, let's just meditate for a moment. Let's think on this thing. Let's think deeply on this thing.
Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.